The Chris and Joe Show. Brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. A-plus rating with a Better Business Bureau. All right, Chris Merrill, Joe Izinga. Joe, yesterday we had Robert Anglin, who is one of the, the reporters, uh, along with uh, Elena Santa Cruz. They are the investigative reporters that really broke the Gilbert Goon stories. They're the ones that took the teen violence and connected the dots to realize, oh, we've got a bunch of people who are acting together and repeating these different offenses in the East Valley. They're also the ones that um, have been doggedly pursuing all the information around the Preston Lord case, which was the murder of the young person in Queen Creek. So he was on our, our program yesterday. If you missed it, I thought there was a lot of really great information, including uh, background on the new whistleblower who's saying not only did all this stuff happen, the parents immediately tried to cover things up. I wanted to do a quick follow-up on that, Joe, and get your thoughts on this. Do you feel like that's it? Or do you feel like there's more cover? Okay. That's the tip of the iceberg. Okay. My my gut tells me, look, if we're dealing with roughly 40 kids here, and again, you can say some are 21, some are 17. They're all young people. They're all kids in my book. Good. I'm a guy in my early 40s. I was a kid when I was 22. Sure. Some ways I'm still a kid. Yep. But they're all kids at the end of the day we have parents here who mostly are fairly affluent Mm -hmm. i would like to think most did go out and get a lawyer and do things legally but i'm sure some panicked and perhaps tried to do other things that are similar to what you know Allegedly, Travis Renner, Renner and the Renner family accused did. of yeah. doing. So I felt the same way, and I thought, I bet there's more. I bet there's more going on, including, for instance, the uh, the stepmother who was the the school principal, who seemed very non cooperative when she, her husband, and her her stepchild were talking to the police. Charges against that stepchild, at least in one case that we know of, ended up being dropped. She didn't seem very cooperative. I don't know about covering up though. There's a big difference between being uncooperative and actively trying to hide something right it's a million dollar question a lot of my friends bring up is is there something else from police is there something from schools did they know that some things were going on that they didn't try to put a handle on sooner potentially i don't have the answers to that when but you I, ask that question do you mean are they hiding something or are you saying they that in other words are you questioning whether or not they did their jobs as well as they could have, or are you questioning whether or not there was something nefarious happening? More so the former. Okay. Of did they know something was going on and not investigate it to its fullest and kind of dismiss it as a kids will be kids. They get in fights. What do you want us to do? I'm glad you brought that up. There was something else. Um, the police chief there in Gilbert, uh, Michael Solberg is the, the guy's name. And he is he's had a lot of attention thrown his way because basically his department screwed the pooch on this. They did not connect the dots on the Gilbert goons. They did not recognize that various teen violence episodes had a common thread. They never connected those dots. But nobody told them Gilbert goons. When asked about it, they said, well, nobody told us. None of the victims told us that it was the same people, which is just asinine. I mean, that error will live with him the rest of his career. Yeah, if I get beat up, how am I supposed to know that three other people got beat up by the same people or that there's a string of them. So 
Yeah, he said they look for evidence that shows information provided online. Oh, this is a this is a clarification on how the department was handling doxing claims. He was asked about doxing claims. I don't want to dive into that. It's more like the online information that's been put out there. But then uh, people were one. They want him to 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 resign. Uh, the other, and let me make sure I get to the story here that the uh, Arizona Re- uh, Republic had. Um, they talked about uh, teen curfew hours. So get mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Residents asked the police department to clarify teen curfew hours. Solberg did not directly answer questions about curfew hours during the subcommittee meeting. Most metro cities have restrictions on the times that minors can be in public without parental supervision. In this came words, up Monday night in Gilbert. Right. Yep. So in Gilbert... Minors under the age of 15 not permitted in or about the town. That's an old school phrase, isn't it? <laughs> I'm a child about town. Uh, minors under the age of 15 not permitted in or about the town from the hours of 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. For teens, 16 to 17, curfew starts at midnight. Mm-hmm. So if you're under 18, even if you're 17, you're not supposed to be out after midnight. Unless it has something to do with work, school, or a religious activity. All right. So if I'm a dishwasher and the restaurant closes at 11 and I'm still doing the dishes until 1230, I can can go home. Okay. That makes sense to me. But if the the cops find that you were breaking the curfew, you could be subject to a misdemeanor. So there's the issue now. Who's enforcing it? How much are people enforcing the curfew? I was asking some of the, some of the, uh, uh, our coworkers, some of the guys in digital, I said, you guys think the curfew would have stopped the attacks? I mean, there's a curfew in effect. Mm-hmm. A lot of these attacks, which were filmed, were well after dark. Sure. In the summertime, meaning it had to be after 10 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. All right. Is the curfew effective? They said no. What? Why not? They said, one, it's not effective because nobody's paying attention to it. Nobody mm-hmm. cares if they're a curfew. Like, oh, no, the last thing we would want is to get a ticket for being out late when we're uh, aggravated assaulting someone. I'd argue that the cops also, what do they always say? We've got better things to deal with. I mean, the code in this case also allows the cops to bring the teen to their parent or guardian or home. I'm guessing if they find the same kid out at 2 in the morning, five nights in a row, like, hey, we've warned you four times here. Now you're getting the misdemeanor. Don't but, let me tell your dad who might or might not be doing mushrooms, but, which is what we found out from some of these people, right? But more often than not, I would like to think that the police have better things to do than yeah. to you know, drive around and chase down kids at midnight and be like, so oh, what's it's the 12 point of the law? What's the point then? Are curfews, are curfews even a good idea? I guess it's to try to discourage kids from being out late at night. What's the age old expression? Nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah. Why are you, you driving? And my grandmother said the same thing. Well, it was preached to me. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm driving at like midnight, two in the morning, if I'm out, if I get back from like a late flight or something, sure. you always see some people on the road and you wonder like, they Shady have a few characters. too many. Right. Like what's going on here? Like they're weaving a little bit. Yeah. And the incidents of people who are up to no good, shockingly, a little higher late at night than in the middle of the day. So I feel like curfews are worthless then because it keeps, like, the the only people following curfews are law-abiding citizens. Hmm. So why are the curfews on the books? I guess it's to make other law-abiding citizens feel like something's being done? Or maybe the law-abiding citizens spread the word to the ne'er-do-wells and tell them. I'm sure that will work. I'm sure those law-abiding citizens are like, I'm trying here, all right? You know, honey, 
if you just if you came in by say nine thirty, well, that would be just that would be much better. You know, honey, if you're gonna beat up your friends at the In and Out Burger, maybe you should do that sometime before Jeopardy. But the problem that I have here is I just don't feel like people are proactive. I feel like everything is reactionary. We've got Gilbert PD looking into this now. A number of other police departments, Queen Creek, you know, schools are looking at it. We're having these town halls, community meetings, all these things afterwards. They're all meeting, getting together, talking, and still this all happened. And I have no doubt that a couple years down the road here that this could all happen again in a different That's so true, Joe. And it makes me wonder, I think a lot of people have an idea of ways to improve when it comes to guiding teenagers. I just don't know who's willing to pay for it. We'll discuss that next. Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News. Chris and Joe, afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News 92.3 and the KTAR News app. All right, teen violence is one of the top concerns, I think, that we have in the Valley. And uh, I'm Chris Merrill. He's Joe Heisinga. We're trying to figure out ways to be proactive instead of reactive. I think reactive is fine. Trying to hold uh, authorities accountable, that sort of thing. I think that's okay. Joe, you and I were talking before the show began. You said that in many cases, ultimately, it comes down to personal and parental responsibility. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Joe, being a parent ain't easy. I bet. I'm terrible. I was terrible at it. The fact that my kids survived is shocking to me. How tough do you think it is being a kid these days? I think it's very, very difficult being a kid these days. And not only that, but I I feel like sometimes we don't necessarily support kids the way that we know how to do. And I'm not even saying that we were that well supported when we were growing up, but we should be better at it than our parents were. And our kids should be better at supporting their kids than we are. I feel like this is one of those realms that, every generation should be getting better at. Mm -hmm. And instead we end up sort of going, well, this is the way it was for me. It's fine. I think it's actually getting worse now in some ways. Yeah. Story that I saw today, Arizona student to counselor ratio is the worst in the United States. And at my school, it was a pretty small school where I went to. There were like 300 total kids. Yeah. So we had one counselor. I can see that. Mrs. Brown had a lot on her plate, but she got through it. There were like 70 kids in a class. In Arizona, the average is 600, 667 students. I was going to say 700, but mm-hmm. hey, I want to be fair to Arizona. It's only 667 per counselor. And you wow. brought up a great point. You said, so what exactly is a counselor task? What does a counselor do? What is their job? And to me, it's academics, but then it's also the social and the emotional, too. So if you're a kid and you're having a breakdown, counselor. Okay. My understanding was based on my, and you tell me if yours was different. Okay. We had about 400, another, again, small school that I went to. Yeah. Yep. And we had one counselor. And her job was basically to meet with us once a year mm-hmm. and help us line up classes for the next year. Yeah. Mrs. Was Brown a- was basically just, I don't think I talked to her at all, freshman or sophomore year. Once junior year to make sure I was on track to graduate. Yep. And then somewhere between junior and senior year to, hey, we're going to have some colleges come into town. Maybe sit down and take a look at a couple of them and get an idea where your fanny's going to be shipped off to next. And moved you out of there as quick as she could because she has 300 kids she's worrying about. Yes. And that's 
It's less than half as many as any one counselor in Arizona has. So suppose you have a child that has some academic issues. Mm-hmm. You've got to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Now you've got another child that's having some social maladjustment. How much time do you have left to spend with them when you're trying to help that one kid that's having some academic trouble? And then how about the other kid who just got beaten during third period in the bathroom by a kid with brass knuckles? Uh, that's a great question. And how do you cope with the counselors dealing with all those things? And to that point, there is a fortunately they make a lot of money, right? Uh, They make like 50 ish grand. They probably top out around 70 K. And you have counselors now who are saying, yeah, my job, it was just to put fires out all day. A thousand percent. All I did was sit there and put out fires. And how could you not? You're dealing with 667 kids. And I, I would imagine you're probably thrilled when a kid comes through the door and says, hey, want to make sure I'm on track to graduate and how do I get to college? And, oh, I want to go to ASU or U of A or NAU instead of, hey, um, my, I, my my stepfather touched me. Yeah. Or, right? my, you know, my dad beat me or, yeah. hey, um, I, I got, you know, smacked in the back of the head and I don't know who did it to me. And I'm bleeding everywhere. Obviously, you go to the nurse or, you know, hey, they'd get you to a doctor. But at the end of the day, but now you're terrified to go back to class. You're terrified to go into the bathrooms and you need a you need someone who's got at least some so, uh, social. What do you call it? Counseling skills of some sort. Right. Yeah. To help you. When I was going through school, this might shock you, Chris. I would run my mouth a little bit and I wouldn't care if kids were on the football team and I would make some, you know, Less than bright comments back to them. And guess what? Some of them would punch me rather hard on the arm, (laughs) but not not in the face. They wouldn't like push me down a flight of stairs. At the end of the day, we were all good kids. Some were just stronger than others. (laughs) And I love to antagonize sometimes. Yeah, it seems to be a seems to be a, a requisite trait of radio talk show hosts, I think, Joe. But at the end of the day, I never would I say I was bullied? Yeah, maybe a little. Some kids, they'd have like rings on and they would see just how hard they could punch me. That wouldn't feel great. No. But I never felt like I don't think I can go to school today or I don't feel like I can go to class because another kid is intimidating me that bad. And of course, that certainly is happening in the Valley, whether it's in socioeconomically challenged schools or it's happening in Gilbert and so or Queen Creek or Chandler or any of those other schools. So I have to wonder this. You've got somebody that has to deal with this stuff where they're putting out fires, not literally, but figurative fires all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a high-stress job, really. Oh, Especially yeah. the more you care, the higher the stress, mm-hmm. right? You're making 50, 70. I mean, maybe you've got an extra degree thrown in there and you're going to get tossed 80 grand, right? But either way, you're going to school for four years to make effectively what a Whataburger assistant manager makes. Maybe you're there for a while and you make as much as a Whataburger store manager makes. And my math isn't great, but you're dealing with 20 times as many kids as a teacher. And no French fries. And I have to wonder, right? I'm thinking of Benny's. You have to wonder why. And you wonder why we're short on school counselors. Are we willing to pay, one, to bring more in? Two, pay them enough that they want to chase this career instead of finding, I mean, we've talked about how well the new Bucky's gas station is going to pay in Goodyear. They, they take care of their employees. Schools don't seem to be taking care of their employees. So I don't see this crisis getting better. Do you? Not anytime soon. And then we wonder why our kids aren't doing well in school also. Uh, We will continue to stay on top of that story because we, 
care. <laughs> Stressful, but we care. We also have another one, too. We want you to join us in the fight against heart disease and stroke for the 2024 Phoenix Heart Walk that is coming up on the 23rd. You can text HEART to 411923. Register. Take a walk with us. It's, I registered this morning, Joe. I even made a little donation there. You can text HEART to 411923. Arizona's can't drive 55. Some might wonder if they can drive at all when they park in canals. Those and the other big headlines next in the volley. The Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News. Chris Merrill, Joe Hazinga, so time of the program that we touch on the other big headlines. We ask life's most important questions, and we'll tickle your brain bone. We call it the volley. Uh, I believe service is mine, Joe? It is. All right, here we go. DPS troopers are sharing details of a reckless speeding arrest. A motorcyclist was stopped near Cottonwood after a radar showed him going 151 miles per hour in a 65. Hmm. What we call that is one and a half St. James over the speed limit. <laughs> uh, what is the, that's our uh, afternoon host. What is the fastest you've ever driven, Joe? On streets or like right. on a track? What's the fastest you've ever driven? Hmm, man, I've probably topped out. I, my dad and I did this, this test track thing through like a Chrysler program with their SRT and their street oh, racing fun. technology. Yeah. So we got videos and everything. I was probably doing you know, high nineties or low hundreds there. Okay. On a on a street street, I can't imagine ever much above ninety. Yeah, I was on a straightaway on eastern Colorado and there's nothing there. I got pulled over. Because the only thing there that was there was a trooper. Mm. Uh, and I was doing one oh one. Uh and he docked it down to ninety nine so that I didn't mm. have to do jail time. I am forever thankful for that one. Deborah, we know you're a speed demon. What's the fastest you've ever went? Driven. I, I've you had to be behind the wheel. Okay, Deborah. I'm a chicken, uh-huh. so um, I'm I'm guessing maybe ninety ish. I oh. I I hover around the eighty mark a lot, getting, but I I you, I'm a wimp. You're getting passed in the loop one one if you're only doing ninety. I'm a wimp. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, Joe. Chris, guys are lonely these days, and they are bad at making friends. But thank goodness, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Matt Damon. Uh, they are going to solve all of the problems in our country because they have a solid, masculine, close friendship. Okay. Uh, guys, much less likely than women to form close bonds. Guys, they say only about 21% receive emotional support from a friend. Females, it's up over 40%. And they say with guys, this starts really young out of uh, fears of male intimacy and something called homo hysteria. Oh, yeah. So I would like you to wax poetically to me now. Chris, tell me about your best male friend. Well, he's my partner at work. Um, That's not true. You've known me for like four weeks, man. I would say that um, the the concern over like... It's a real insecurity thing, and in high school, I think it's very real. I think we see some of that with like, the Gilbert goons. I think it's like, I'm I'm macho, I'm tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to talk about their vulnerabilities. They're scared, that kind of thing. And I think that when I have run into guys that have expressed that to me, I've been receptive to it. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me grow, which has helped me to then be expressive. I think, Joe, I told you, I love you, man. I yeah. do. I care very much about you and the job that you do and, and what's going on in your life. And I think that I've forms been through a bond. some of that thing, too, of where I have other guys pick on me and they play into that homo hysteria term. Yeah. 
I'm very confident with who I am. Yeah. And I'm not somebody who's going to sit there and ever cry. Not that there's anything wrong with crying. I I have cried in my life. Sure. But I have good guy friends. But yeah, I think guys play on it with each other a lot of times, too, where it's like, what are you going to do? Go hang out with your guy friend and cry about it? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes guys express how much they care about each other. You're going to watch The Notebook? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we give each other a hard time. That's sort of how we say we care. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you saw our video on Instagram yesterday, it was me giving Joe a hard time about his (laughs) pink pants. They were Uh, salmon. But I, we wouldn't have cut that if if there was malice intent, and you wouldn't, you would, I don't think you would have um, allowed that to happen either. No. All right. Found an unoccupied car partially submerged in the Grand Canal yesterday morning, Twenty Second Avenue, Indian School Road. What is the weirdest thing you've ever found, Joe? Oh God! Unoccupied car, by the way. We don't know where it came from, or who was driving, or anything. But there was, it wasn't like there was weirdest a body. Weirdest thing I've found. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> I've never found anything that weird. I mean, I found... You found, a like, a dead guy three weeks ago. I definitely... You found he, a corpse. He was not dead. When you first found him. I texted you about it on the weekend because I felt bad, but I called the non-emergency number. But that guy was alive, Chris. Last I saw him, he was alive, I swear, officer. Would you like me to remind the listener <laughs> what your advice was to do to him? Poke him. With a stick. <laughs> so caring. <laughs> I found like a $20 bill oh, a few months weak. ago. I don't That's find, it, huh? I don't find weird stuff. I mean. Debra, you ever find anything weird? What's the weirdest thing you ever I found? You know, I can't think of anything weird I found, but weirdest thing I've seen. Yeah. Okay, go on. Shopping carts in the canals around here. Yeah, you there are a lot finding. of shopping carts in the canals, and I don't know why. It's just weird. I think we have an idea. I think that is a homeless thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. why would they put him in the canal? I, I don't know. They were out of parking spaces at their tent. Sometimes yeah. the wind gets a strong gust and <laughs> blows suppose. it in there. Yeah. Who knows what's going on? At I night. don't know. that, But yeah, the shopping carts in the canals mm. are the weird thing for me, but I haven't found it. I wish I'd find something weird. Got time for one more, One Chris? more, Joe. Hit it. All right. I'll hit it quick here. The rise of the do-nothing vacation. It's taking off, Chris. So the pendulum kind of swings between the desire to cram as much as you can into a vacation Mm -hmm. or the other way, what people term the do-nothing vacation, where you simply want to relax. So what I want to know from you is how much are your vacations? I need percentages here about sightseeing, jamming in events, doing as much as you can do versus relaxation. Depends on where I go and who I'm with. If If it's the family, you're probably doing more, huh? Yep trying to get if it's my kids i always try to get them experiences that they could look back on if it's me man it's just like i want to worry about where am i going to eat dinner tonight? last vacation where, where'd you go i mean without family i think my wife and no, i just period last vacation i'm sure it was to go see family okay yeah so we it was end all up about, having to go see family so it wasn't relaxing then, no huh? no last time i didn't go on one of those that we went on a, an actual vacation um, you know what? I think uh, you could count this. My wife was in San Diego and I was working here and we met in Yuma and uh, we had a weekend mm-hmm. together. Got it. 
I would call that a good vacation, too. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I'll meet up with some friends in Vegas in August. You? Nice, nice and relaxing for you? Well, I go to Vegas three or four times That's a year. That's relaxing. That's fun, right? I do a couple things when I'm there, but for the most part, it's relax and recharge. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll go see a show. I'll check out Cirque du Soleil, but it's not like, okay, 6 o'clock, dinner, got to be here. Okay, 7 o'clock, show starts, got to be there. Okay, then I'm going to hit the tables. It's like. No. Oh, you I, haven't met my father then. No, vacation. <laughs> like, just chill out. I don't need an itinerary. If I get an itinerary, it's work. That's how I am in my daily life. It's I refuse to do it on vacation. Absolutely. Deborah, pleasure versus, you know, go, 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 vacation. Oh, God, I, I'm going to tell you real quick about my worst vacation that I thought was going to be my best. Yeah. I went on a cruise with my mom and my sister. Sounds good. I was ready. I brought three books with me. I was ready to just chill and kick back and Absolutely. read. My mother had different plans. Oh, no. Go, 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 go. We've got to do this. And we're going to take this shoreline and we're going to hit this oh. buffet and we have to hit this adventure. I protested. <laughs> um, you didn't jump overboard? I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Did not. But I um, I, I left. She, she was rushing me somewhere and I might. My hair was just sticking straight up and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And I just started going Off looking go. like looking like weird Barbie. <laughs> I love that. She's like, Deborah. Oh, Deborah. Weird Barbie. Oh, Deborah. Really? Really? Deborah. Yeah. Deborah. Yeah. Gosh. I just wanted to chill. You'll often catch them grinning uh, ear to ear, but you're not going to find as much wisdom in their smiles today. The dry socket show with fewer teeth. Outspoken enters the padded room next on KTAR News. I should ask this guy uh, one of the questions we had in our volley, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Merrill, Joe Hazinga, joining us in the studio now is the uh, lighter Bruce St. James. Two he, teeth lighter. Two teeth lighter. Half I, the wisdom I had yesterday, I like to think of it as. I, I was listening, <laughs> and it's funny, Bruce came in and I asked Bruce immediately when he walked into the studio today. I said, uh, you know, are you feeling okay? Is it all right? So you had the teeth pulled. and then, I had two wisdom teeth taken out yesterday. And then you called and you talked with Gatos and Barry Marks. No, I drove home as I was driving home. And I thought, well, he sounds good, but he's probably numb and a little bit high still. But oh, uh, I didn't, numb, have, I didn't have anesthesia. No, I mean, I had no, no king shot or whatever. No, okay. But I wasn't out. Just okay. a local. Local. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. All right. Well, he sounded great. And I thought, well, maybe he's still a little Are numb you saying I should do more of the show calling in from the, my car? No. Is that, is that what just, you mean? Like, I was impressed, that's what I heard. Impressed by your manliness oh, okay. is what well, I'm telling gee, thanks. you. Thanks. Yeah. So listen, Bruce St. James and Gatos, they host Outspoken, which uh, is up here in just a few moments. And they are a little uh, less, uh, with, with less wisdom today than. They were on And Tuesday, you would think I, I couldn't afford to lose any, so. I asked luck. Joe, and you're the right guy to ask. I asked Joe, what's the fastest that he's ever driven? <laughs> I, I wonder if you're going to get an honest answer here, because he won't want to admit What is the statute it? of limitations yeah. in the uh, state of Arizona? It could be on a track, because I'm sure you've driven. Have you driven faster on a track or on a road? Probably on a track, yeah. On a track. Fastest okay. you've went on a track, then. Fastest you've ever driven. Uh, and Bruce is a race car driver, by the way. I should preface it. 175, 180-ish. That's that pretty range. good. You know, uh, around California Speedway, the uh, okay. the former NASCAR track there. Yeah, in a in a stock car. Do you do you get nervous? I mean, you have to have I know nerves of steel, but at I some really point, appreciate that. Yeah, Thank but you. at some point, do you start feeling like oh, okay when you're in the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. I I get I could get butterflies or nerves before a race. Usually, just you know, wanting to perform well, wanting to do well, you know. But the minute that engine starts. Yeah. Uh, focused on driving. I don't, I've never been scared in a race car. Do you watch the speedometer? I mean, do you, do I don't you have s- a speedometer. 
How far ahead are you looking when you're going 175, 180? So that's one of the, that's a great question, Joe. I'm going to sit down. That's a good question, Joe. Uh, One of the things you learn is um, getting up to speed when you're doing that. I call it how far ahead of the car you are. Uh And when you're comfortable in a car, you can see way ahead. When you're uncomfortable in the car, you're fighting it. I I tell people, might be at the windshield. You know, maybe I can get to the front bumper, but I can't look ahead because I'm too focused on right now. When you're comfortable in a car, it's amazing how everything slows down and you can see way ahead. Because when you are traveling that, going that fast, you do need to look a corner ahead. You do need yeah. to look a straightaway ahead so that you can make adjustments when all hell breaks loose. I'm so fascinated by it. <laughs> I'm so fascinated It's loads of fun. It. I told Joe that uh, years ago, I contacted Bruce and we got together. I felt like such a fanboy because I was just like, <laughs> so you like cars and stuff? Like, like, I like your radio show. You know, you were doing the show here on KTAR. And I was like, I really like your show. You like, I mean, do you want to get like some coffee or something? Bruce like, sure, yeah, we can get coffee. And I was like, hey, hey Bruce, it's really great to hang out with you. you well, we're going to get you out to a race. We'll get you come out to a race someday. My gosh, I would love it. I'm yeah. so fascinated by it. Like, I'm, of, it's, it's, yeah, it's I'm addicted to the I was addicted to the Top Gear and, uh, and sure. Grand Tour and all that stuff. I'm just fascinated by all of it. What do you have coming up in your program? We got a lot coming up. How how about this one? Uh, Should the Phoenix Suns draft Caitlin Clark? Mm, The the greatest female basketball player of all time. Who is, is, by the way, going to break Pete Maravich's all-time NCAA scoring record next game. Which is crazy to me. And has broken every record that there is to have. I'm kind of glad that there's more attention brought back on Pistol Pete because he deserves it. Pistol that Pete was, does, doesn't amazing. he? But yes. he's he's a, he's about to become the second highest scoring NCAA player of all time because uh, she will pass him. She she just set the all-time three-point, yep. uh, 155 yep. three-pointers in a season yep. and still going, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. Still no um, game left, two games you know, left. Is there an argument? Are we at the point where if, if a woman could compete in a professional game, could she compete on an NBA court? Is she the one? Right. She can hit shots from half court. I mean, come on. Outspoken is next, my friends. Uh, Chris and Joe show. Joe, you got anything to add? Nope. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 2 o'clock, KTAR News.